In the morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? Welcome to St. Mark Bemidji's podcast, a podcast about redemption from our sinful failings through Jesus Christ our Lord and about the glory of the one true God, now and forever. I want to thank you for joining us today. This podcast is nothing without its supporters just like you. You support us through your listening and sharing it with others. Without you, it's just ones and zeros sitting on a storage medium somewhere on the internet. In the former life of mine, I served as a search and rescue pilot for the Coast Guard. As part of my training, I was privileged to serve as a simulated survivor. Unlike many real survivors lost at sea after my boat sank, I had a number of survival devices on my person and an exposure suit to keep me warm and dry while I waited for my rescuers. It's a humbling experience being out at sea without a boat. Your feet kick a bit uselessly for a few moments after you enter the water out of habit, looking for purchase and finding none. This isn't some shallow inland lake or a pool where the ground below is easily seen through the water. After the roar of the inboard-outboard motor of the small boat that dropped you off fades, there is nothing but the sound of wind in your ears. In the waters of the mighty Pacific, off the coast of Oregon, the towering swells quickly erase any illusion of a horizon. The gray skies above obscure the sun, and even though the boat only left a moment ago, all sense of direction is quickly lost. And even if by chance the sun did peek its face out for a few moments and give you a chance to orient yourself towards shore, you can't even see it, it's so far away. The chances of you being able to swim to shore before exhaustion and hypothermia set in and ended your quest are so small they aren't even worth considering. No, the only chance you have of survival is to be rescued. Out there in the deep, there is no sound so sweet as the sound of a helicopter maneuvering to hover above you. Rescued. As helpless as this situation is without rescue, we are even more helpless in the grip of sin. There is but one Savior, Jesus. We can't save ourselves from sin. We might as well try to bail out the ocean of our sins into... more ocean? No merit or action of our own will earn us salvation. No, we will die far, far before our good deeds outweigh our sins. And even if we could do all the good deeds in the world, we have still perpetrated sins. And each one, no matter how small, earns us the sentence of eternal death. Time off for good behavior doesn't help much with that final sentence. Jesus takes our sins away. He accepts our sentence in our place. He is our rescue. Today, our message from St. John in Woodlake, Minnesota, ponders that phrase, Hosanna, save us now, we pray. Let's listen now together, shall we? Words have meanings. And yet it seems to me that, that it is common for people to, to regularly use words that don't actually mean what they want to say. Uh, maybe an example of this is uh, the word literally. People will use this term all the time. We use it for something, uh, something like, um, you literally scared me to death. 
which if it were true, you would be dead. You didn't literally do that. It, it, people doing things like that makes me want to you know, yell at them saying, you, you keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means. But the fact that people don't know what the words mean also means they don't really know why they use it. Most likely, they use it because other people talk that way. All around them, they hear it constantly. The crowd says these things, and so they say it too. Another example, especially at this time of year, could be the word Christmas. People use it all the time regularly used for many things that have nothing to do with Christ or the celebration of his birth on our Lord's nativity. There's another word, a word in our gospel for today that is likewise used commonly, especially here in church, a word that we use every single Sunday here in church that I think falls under this category. It is the word Hosanna. Maybe you know what it means. Maybe you don't. Either way, why do you keep on using it? You might respond, well, it's printed in the order. It's in the liturgy. I have to. It's not the worst reason in the world. It's possibly all the reason that it was spoken on the day our Lord rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That's why it was used on their lips, because Jesus, along with the crowds entering into Jerusalem, they were going to Jerusalem for the celebration of the Passover. And the word Hosanna, along with the phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that comes from Psalm 118, which was part of a set of psalms that were designated to be sung at the Passover. So, so they were singing it part kind of like a Passover liturgy. But why? What does it mean? Hosanna. It's, it comes from two Hebrew words that are tra- transliterations of two Hebrew words. The, the ending of it, the, the na part is a is a word that means that it's an entreaty like a like a desperate urgent begging pleading especially for someone in authority like a king i beg you i pray you and the hosa part means save rescue us you put it together and it means something like, save now, we pray. It is a desperate cry, urgent cry for rescue. I'm afraid that's not always how it gets used, though. Perhaps that's because it gets used so often, because we, we sing it every communion, every Sunday, because they sang it at least every Passover. Although that helps us understand why it never got translated out of Hebrew. I assume that the evangelists who wrote down what happened, what the crowds said, they heard the Hebrew or the Aramaic syllables, Hoshiana. But when they wrote it down in Greek, they didn't write it down in a Greek word. They wrote down a Hebrew word with Greek letters. And ever ever since then, all of our Bibles, all of our languages do the same, and so does our liturgy. 
but commonly words that we speak so often we don't really know what they mean anymore and in, and in practice this word i think gets turned around from being an urgent entreaty to the king to which is similar to a, a shout of acclamation or almost like a salute and so you'll hear some explanations of the word Hosanna say that it, that it means something kind of like an equivalent to God save the king. Like it, it's a salute to a higher up saying that the king is to be saved. And that functions similar to our English word hail. Hail king, hail Caesar. Or in German they use the word heil, like heil Hitler. Interesting, like that word, both of the word hail and heil in German, they also correspond back to the word save. I don't know that's how it was always used. I'm sure there were some people, many people, I'm sure, who saluted Hitler and his regime because they believed Hitler and the Nazis were good for their country and their people. He was their savior but there were plenty of other people who may have uttered the word simply because it was expected of them, because everyone else, the crowds were doing it, but they knew that Hitler was not their savior. And so it is that not everyone who sings Hosanna means what they say. Either because they don't think they really need saving, or that this Jesus is not the one to do it. When the children of Israel were, were captive, when they were slaves in the land of Egypt, God brought his people out with a, a mighty arm and an a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Later on, when God's people were captive in, in Babylon, as he had promised, after 70 years, God brought his people back to their own land, as Jeremiah spoke today. When the Jews of Jesus' day were under the oppression of, of now the mighty Roman Empire, God did as he had promised. He came, he sent them a savior, someone, a hero, to rescue them. But the rescue comes when they see their king Riding on a donkey. He does not come as a mighty warrior on a, on a steed meant for battle. He doesn't come and wipe out their political enemy and send the Romans running home. Instead, Jesus comes born king of the Jews. He comes entering in, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, the capital city. But instead of marching on towards Herod's palace, Jesus went to the temple. In Jerusalem, he taught. In Jerusalem, he celebrated the Passover. In Jerusalem, he fulfilled the Passover by offering himself up as a sacrifice, not as a rescue to rescue his people from Egypt or Babylon or from the tyranny of Rome. 
but precisely that his holy precious blood might ransom his people from their tyranny to sin, death, and hell, which we must know is an enemy far worse. We sing all together, Hosanna. But what rescue, what urgent plea do we need make? Especially if we think, we think that our greatest challenge today is runaway inflation. Or our biggest challenge is the increasing bureaucracy and red tape in government or a nanny state. In other words, our real problem, the thing that's keeping us back and holding us back, is an oppressive, overreaching government, let's say. Or we might think, on the other hand, that the problem is that this government doesn't do enough to help us. And what we need for them to do is, is more regulation, more, more help, more evening things out, more handouts. Either the government is to be our savior, it will fix our problem, or it is the problem, unless we can just get the right person elected and then they'll save us. But if that's your problem, if that's what you really need, if if that's what really makes you cry out for help, desperate, urgent, then Jesus will surely disappoint. And then your hosannas, no matter how many times you sing them, at best will be a salute. How do you do? If, on the other hand, no matter what the empire, the kingdom, the country, or the regime you live under, no matter what it is in this life that oppresses you, that threatens you, if you recognize the one who rides in on a donkey as your king, then you also must recognize that you have failed and offended the king. He is righteous, but you are not. And that's why you hide your deeds in your words and your thoughts. You hide them in the darkness of night or you hide them in the dark corners of your memory, hidden even from your honest reflection of your conscience. It's no wonder then that everything around us in this life is broken. Everything that should just work, our our bodies, our minds, our relationships, even our computers and our cars, everything breaks. Because everywhere you go, No matter what you do, no matter how you try, your sins follow you because your sinful nature is part of your flesh and it threatens, it threatens to hurt, to enslave you forever, never to be set free. Until finally everything is destroyed and you lie rotting in the grave. What joy. What joy. Hope, 
What delight is yours this day? When your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. He's not coming to you in righteousness to shame you, to accuse you, or even to control you. He comes to forgive you. He comes you to, to clothe you, not, not in your garments. Those are best put underfoot. He comes to clothe you in his own robe of righteousness. He comes to save you. Hosanna means save now, we pray. Do you know what else comes from that same Hebrew word, that save word in Hosanna? The name Jesus. Hosanna is your cry. Jesus is your answer. He comes to you today. Not that you can see him. For he does not appear visibly, yet you cannot see his face. You can, though, hear his word. When his word is proclaimed, when we are gathered in his name, in the name of the Lord, he is among us to bless us and to save us. And if you look, That is, if you look with the eyes of of faith, you look according to his word and promise, you, you can even see him with your eyes. Because he's given us a visible word. We call them sacraments. And you can see water. You can see bread and wine. And by faith you say, that's that's him. You can see him. Riding still today on a lowly beast of burden. Today being you. The donkey that carries the king today. Are your hands, your lips, your tongue. It's you. And he comes even today not again to burden you. Not for, for his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. He comes to give you rest. Sabbath. That's why we sing Hosanna. That's why we come to the divine service on the Lord's day. It is to receive your king. To entreat this king with urgency in this our world of sin and sorrow. We call on him. We plead for him to to be our Jesus, to, to be our Savior, that he may save us now, that he may give himself to us now, clothe us now. We cry out, Hosanna. And by his mercy, we mean what we say. Amen. I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Didn't get enough of God's Word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota 
at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday School and Adult Bible Study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday Divine Service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.